The essay begins with the author stating, every generation has a monoculture of sort, a governing pattern or system of beliefs that people unconsciously accept as the truth. I found this to be particularly interesting considering the nature of such an opening statement. The highlight that present monoculture is vastly different and is accepted in a manner that, from what she's written and my observations, solidify a more insidious and simpler put, drilled into your mind sort of approach than what previous generations experienced, not as a result of the magnitude of the information, but due to the constant bombardment. So was that a lot of jargon? We're gonna keep going. Um, so for those of us in more privileged societies, we are often victim to the first subconscious behavior that she describes in this essay. Number one, she says, end quote, you believe that creating your best life is a matter of deciding what you want and then going after it. But in reality, you are psychologically incapable of being able to predict what will make you happy. In my annotations, I underlined psychologically incapable because who are you to tell me that I am psychologically incapable, but also because I found it to be most shocking. She explains to the reader that in sum, because your brain only knows what it knows from the past and present cumulative data, I should add, it will seek to find more of that solution and recreate said solutions because it finds comfort in those results, aka familiarity. Oftentimes, this will not only impact your ability to succeed above the standards and expectations you have for yourself, because if you fall short, you'll revert to those familiarities, but also your ability to foresee what you should and will want is an ignorant assumption of who you will be in the future. This notion that we should focus on the future and what will make us happy then is then embedded into our minds at a very young age and then we hold ourselves to these standards through comparison within contemporary false realities, aka social media. She claims that you are recreating a solution you found or perceived, understood, from the past and this includes social biases, as I've stated, and pressures you're and pressures you've been convinced should be foundational in terms of your future and your value. This is in no way an idea presented to discourage you from setting goals or maintaining them, especially goals that are commonly good and productive. It is merely suggesting furthermore that you should live in the present and not hold yourself to what you are completely psychologically incapable of being able to predict in the first place for your future. Again, not sure who she is to tell me that I'm psychologically incapable. Maybe, maybe some people you guys know are psychologically incapable. Like, anyways, okay. For example, um, for years, I hadn't considered university to be something that I'd be interested in nor needing to attend. This was because of my broadopsy and how my parents regarded university as a waste of time and expense. Um, little did I know that the plans that I had made as a young person would now vastly be vastly disregarded in my present experience where I am enjoying my university experience for the most part as formal education is not only exciting but will open a lot of doors for me in the future, a future that this book claims that I will not be able to foresee which um, again, I feel, I feel like you're underestimating me both. 
Notably, there are other plans that I have in terms of my life that still would not have been possible had I held myself to that limiting belief and other limiting beliefs that I thought were going to make me happy in the future. And in consideration of the broadsy that I had and make me happy in this society when I was just three years younger than today. Um, I noted in this section, it did strike a chord with me um, for those very reasons. I am merely 19, so I am aware that this change in wants and needs is natural for someone of such a transitional age. But let this not be a factor that convinces any of our older viewers that this is not a possibility in their mature realities. From midlife crises to stay-at-home mom epiphanies, I am sure at some point in your life you will find that you too are incapable of predicting at least one thing that will make you so happy. And that thing may not necessarily be a social ideal or something that is promoted by the dominant culture. Take this as you will. Let's also consider endeavors. I was designing and considering scripting, like coding and everything, a website for like four months before I started my Instagram and now this YouTube channel. And although I will say that I may or may not revise those ideas in the future, I only understood months later that the different ideas and processes and the time that I spent um, would not only require a lot of time and attention and resources, but I just maybe didn't even want to do it. <laughs> Um, great in theory, but they weren't really bringing me joy and they were not authentic to who I was. This is another example of how something that I perceived could have made me happy, could have and is socially acceptable, something that's socially promoted. And it would have been good in the dominant culture's ideals, but I am psychologically incapable of predicting this the way it would unfold and at the beginning of a journey especially realizing that it would not make me happy yet being able to apply those same learnings to something completely separate is if anything further proof of that philosophy that she presents us with i wish i'd spent some time working on what i'm working on now and you know if I knew, I would've, should've, could've, but fuck that. Lessons were learned, and I still hold valuable skills that I might revisit in the future. The point stands. Number two, you extrapolate the present moment because you believe that success is somewhere you arrive, quote unquote. So you are constantly trying to take a snapshot of your life and see if you can be happy yet. Did anyone feel called out? Because I did. She goes on to say that you convince yourself that any given moment is representative of your life as a whole. This is largely as a result of societal expectations again. Think about good grades, being popular in school, get the job, get the career, get married, have the kids, or, or, or yeah, you gotta get married and then have the kids and maybe you'll volunteer and, and don't forget to, I don't know, go to PTA meetings after that. and fucking run capitalism uh but you're doing too much you're stressed out now you should take a break you're so annoying and stressed out you're a workaholic but then oh oh you're, you're not working enough you're not doing enough you need to stay on track you're you're a bum no one's happy and you're not either we constantly want to perceive our present and ask ourselves if we can be happy yet because of these factors these stages in our lives and frankly they're not suited for every person 
I mean, fuck. Weren't gay people only allowed to marry like 10 years ago? Awkward. (laughs) In a society that measures success and value by the completion of goals and stages, this takes away from the experience and romanticizes the factor of simply completing. Um, I didn't write this in my notes specifically, but what comes to mind is the idea of... This idea was presented to me in a TikTok that I found where the philosophy of the user was basically stating that like um, people want to be married, but they don't want marriage. They want to have the wedding. The wedding. People want to have kids, but they don't want to be a parent. People want the career, but they don't want to work. And I think it's perpetuated even more so by our romanticization that our generation especially is very guilty of because of the powers of social media. I feel like that just makes it so much worse that people romanticize these completions and are not necessarily focused on actually the experience. Continuously taking a snapshot as Weiss claims, you're constantly trying to arrive, but you're never actually going to be there. And she points that out in one of the following sections of this essay. As you are constantly trying to arrive, you're actually not supposed to arrive anywhere because you are never done growing. And while you're focusing on arriving and taking a snapshot and debating whether or not you are allowed to be happy and content with your life and at least give yourself one pat on the shoulder for at least surviving midterms or getting the job in the first place even though you fucking hate it and you're a temp, no one wants to be a fucking temp. But you compare yourself you measure yourself up to who you want to be and that's good to an extent but when it's at this negative extent guys snap the fuck out of it a lot of people only want to perceive the result rather than considering the journey some people might want to be successful in something but be discouraged when they have pitfalls fuck-ups misunderstandings throughout that experience to the point where they become so discouraged weighing themselves and 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 holding themselves back in every other fucking lane and category they can fucking fathom they begin to have a negative association with that thing that they perceive to be something they want to complete because now they have this this incompetence that they feel within themselves because they've allowed these fuck-ups to be an indicator of well although i might even somewhat slightly believe what i want for myself it's not true or it's not going to happen or it's as good as it's gonna get an example of this might be the cycle of the entrepreneur an entrepreneur will go through the cycle of building testing and recalculating their business on and on again an entrepreneur will go through the different seasons um Everyone knows the different seasons of the year, right? Yeah. The different outcomes, positive, negative, and depending on the product or service, when it will be in demand and when it's suited for their brand. Businesses also always have to change and adapt to the world around them. Trends, demand, advertising, marketing campaigns, calls to action, you name it. Even scandals. With all of that taken into account, how can one consider themselves a failure in their business at one singular part of the journey, at the beginning of their journey at that, when there are so many different factors and cycles in place, not mere ups and downs like eh, the way we regularly view success. 
But because of the way that we're taught at a very young age and onward, success is focused on the outcome and the results of that outcome. Not often enough do we actually get to view ourselves with that same patience, understanding, and realism that we're taught to understand a business with. To recognize the processes of development, testing, and data analyzation, it is my philosophy, um, supported by Waste's observations and philosophies, that if we approached our own lives in the same way one is taught to approach a business, we would have a healthier outlook on our success. Though I might succumb to the subconscious of which holds the same aforementioned limiting beliefs of what success should look like, I stand by my perspective. Oh my god, someone's calling me again. She believes we forget things are transitionary in life. She claims the only thing you're rushing towards is death. Accomplishing goals is not success. How much you expand in the process is. Number three. You assume that when it comes to following your gut instinct, happiness is good and fear and pain are bad. In continuation, she states, when you consider doing something that you truly love and are invested in, you're going to feel an influx of fear and pain, mostly because it will involve being vulnerable. I remember how I felt when I started with different ideas and considering different possibilities only to want to keep them to myself or not share them via different opportunities out of fear that I would be rejected or that they simply would not do well. The fear, anxiety, pressure of starting new things held me back for so long, but every time I got close to doing so, to doing well, those things, those feelings of anxiety would arise and I too would believe that those were signs of needing to take a step back or reconsider what it is that I am doing rather than continue pushing forward and learn along the way as I've done recently. This is why Weiss' claim that bad feelings should not always be interpreted as deterrence resonated so greatly with me. Strikingly, she considers things that you want to do that pull you in yet frighten you to clearly be worthwhile, contrasting this idea with the concept of indifference versus fear. In sum, you cannot fear something you are indifferent about, thus fear equals interest. Number four, you needlessly create problems and crises in your life because you are afraid of actually living in it, aka being a self-sabotaging freak, as a friend of mine would like to put it. People who have a pattern of causing unnecessary shit are essentially using it as a form of avoidance technique, as described by Weist. This makes perfect sense considering that avoiding success is the easiest way to avoid failure. If you don't start, you can't fail. Therefore, if you derail your investment, you don't face overall embarrassment of investing in something that could go wrong. You're basing your life around what could not happen. Um, awkward. I found in the past that oftentimes when I was just a year younger, I would start things and then stop them once I reached a certain amount of success and changed my mind. Sure, this is natural for young people, but in the same sense, I think a large part of why I would derail and lose focus is because I was not seeing the results right away, and I was also allowing others' input to impact how I viewed my content at the time, of which was definitely different from what I am doing now, what is most natural to myself, but nonetheless. I would then create a problem. I would tell myself that perhaps there's a larger barrier or something else that I should accomplish, something else I should focus on that would prevent me from continuing the original project. For example, I would think of podcasting and then tell myself, I need a microphone, or 
I would upload a video and then tell myself I wasn't qualified or in the videos I shoved my face in, I told myself, oh, I didn't look good enough or that I should wait until I looked a certain way before I did it again. Um, I would create unnecessary problems to cloud my perception and thus halt my progress so that I could not face backlash and fall and fail things I genuinely liked. People who create problems in their friendships or relationships because they seek drama or difficulties because that is what's familiar and comfortable for them, perhaps they hadn't had that stability in their childhood. This manifests more so when your fear of living in that moment and having a comfortable and healthy relationship comes from a place of being unsure whether or not this feeling will last. Will this stability turn out to be a false reality? Better to sabotage and abandon that situation than find out yourself and be humiliated and dejected. She argues that in some, you are scared of being who you are and living the life you want. I believe this comes from the humanity of utilizing past experiences as references for their present capabilities and merits. Number five. Can I get a drink? You think that in order to change your beliefs, you have to adopt a new line of thinking rather than seek experiences that make the thinking self-evident. You don't have to reframe the entire manner in which you think or approach life. You should merely establish certain expectations and frameworks to validate your wants. You need to make what it is that you want one thing that manifests in self-evidence. What does this mean? outside of your present. If you want to experience a life outside of your present limitations, of which are a result of the need to repeat yourself, you should then choose to quote unquote, go outside and have those experiences that will allow for this reality to be real for you. So rather than for those of you who fell into the different social media trends of adopting a soul personality or aesthetic of say the femme fatale, should choose to outline your desired outcomes and act on them rather than say adopt a whole new personality and restrict yourself to that personality of what is only a portion of who the person you're trying to be is whether that be a new idol or a favorite character you maintain your personality and adopt the nature of someone else when you should be assuming the characteristics that you want to derive from that and maintain your authenticity Eventually, you would then become that person that you want to be as you evolve and learn what works for you without changing your entire mindset, philosophy, and inner monologue to such a vast and unrealistic extent, especially in such a short amount of time for those of us who are impatient. Totally not me. Additionally, I would say that this resonates significantly in terms of social media culture, specifically the side of social medias that I seem to be on. I noticed that a lot of people fall into the trap of adopting different mindsets, trying to be that girl, clean girl, this girl, that girl. Firstly, I don't remember, I don't recall, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't typically see these different types of, I don't see these aesthetic trends for men, but of course, you know, that's a completely different conversation we could have. How are stereotypes and categorizations of women transcending through different decades and how social media is propelling it ever so forward? But that's not what we're talking about today. These romanticized mindsets and ones that you should adopt to be treated in a certain manner are simply false. You could turn into this completely different person, but if it's not authentic to who you are, then what did you do it for? Number six. 
You think problems are roadblocks to achieving what you want when in reality they are pathways. I can't tell you how many times I've observed a teacher participate in the self-fulfilling prophecy of which I learned recently in sociology. A child is acting poorly and instead of encouraging them to do otherwise and reprimanding them in a constructive but disciplined manner, they choose to mock, disregard, and distance from putting in any effort. There was even an instance once at my elementary school, I think it was a little bit after I left, maybe a year or two after I graduated that elementary school, that a music teacher was suspended for throwing a music block at one of the students, a sixth grader, maybe a fifth grader, honestly. No excuse, first of all, she was a grown woman. Why are you throwing a block at a kid? But anyways, I feel like, oh, and did I mention that she wasn't fired? Yeah. But let's put the corrupt and ever-deluding educational system aside for a moment and reflect on the overall message I'm trying to convey, that children are, and have been, in my experience and what I've observed from friends and peers, been taught that problems, mistakes, and roadblocks, and worse, are indicators of a need to stop and to feel ashamed and to be shut down to be made to feel as if they are absolutely incompetent, to wallow in the issue rather than seek a solution. While you misunderstanding materials or not comprehending the purpose of respecting authority might be considered a roadblock of which is punishable and etc. by these authorities at a young age, you must teach your adult self that these problems and roadblocks are actually lessons and signs to seek alternate pathways. We're not all fortunate enough to have experienced this in a healthy manner in our youth, and so we need to parent ourselves in our adulthood. One might find several problems with public school, for example, that they were having blockages in their education due to their social environments or different aspects that limited their productivity. In another case, one might be writing a book and find that a particular part of the novel has taken a month for them to revisit and to fathom coming back around to. Rather than beating themselves up in their young adulthood or adulthood and consider this to be evident of their inabilities, they might choose to reconsider what educational pathways they might take like homeschooling and online schooling, tutoring programs, the writer might work on different parts of the story in the meantime, or research the part of the story that they are feeling blocked by so that they can encourage a new perspective, get some new inspiration. If anything, these roadblocks could lead to drastic success. For example, when I went into online schooling after leaving my high school's toxic environment, my grades went up significantly and so did my mental health. When a family member of mine was feeling stuck with her novel, she took time away from the book in order to research and watch films that had to do with the concepts within the story in order to find more inspiration, remain productive, but not feel completely discouraged and feel as though she was lacking in progress. Because research and time away from the project can be considered progress and definitely was in that case. Roblox are not assigned to stop, only assigned to recalibrate and recalculate. It forces you to evolve through the process as I've noted while reading this book. On a greater scale, and I quote, the problem becomes a catalyst for you to actualize the life you've always wanted. Number seven, you think your past defines you and worse, you think that it is an unchangeable reality when really your perception of it changes as you do. 
Though true, I find this ironic to our nature. Think of the movie where, and I'm forgetting the name, there are different emotions within the girl's mind, and she has formulated her identity through a collection of memories and traits that have been deemed impactful enough to pertain to her entire identity. This is how we are often trained to perceive our personal evolution. Rather than view the past as an experience and something that can indicate our character, we view it as a foundation a part of who we are and may never stop being. This is simply untrue. This is why it is important to allow the past to be distant, assuming no one is at harm, that the only person hurt by your internalization and cowardice is your own. Recall them as they were and work towards moving forward. Number eight, you try to change other people's situations and things, or you just complain and get upset about them, when anger equals self-recognition. Most negative emotional reactions are you identifying a disassociated aspect of yourself. She claims that you're not actually bothered by the person who's expressing or demonstrating behaviors in a way that you were irritated and angered by. She goes on to claim that the things that you've been repressed from and taught to be ashamed of might be irritating to observe expressed by others. You don't actually dislike these parts of yourself. When you see somebody displaying one of these traits, it's infuriating, not because it's inherently something you dislike, but because you have to fight with your desire to fully integrate it into your whole consciousness. One could easily argue against this perspective if it wasn't for the following. The things you love about others are the things that you love about yourself, and the things that you hate about others are the things that you cannot see in yourself. I think there are good and bad aspects to this coin, however, this essay is about self-reflection and the different steps to uncovering you. I think that the final question above all else is an excellent place to end off this video. I would love to expand on that subject matter as well. How is it that we might be misdirecting our anger when it might actually be a reflection of what we hate about our own selves? what we hate that we've been shamed for, and how, although in many cases this can be the absolute opposite of the truth and we don't actually see that in ourselves, it is the final aspect and that we cannot see that in ourselves and that's why we hate it. But in situations where the perspectives are not as extreme as, say, in political perspectives or religious narratives, Ask yourself in what cases this might be applied to your own life and how this might have impacted a friendship, a relationship, where what you disliked in someone of the past might have actually been a reflection of what you dislike about yourself or hate that you cannot express in your truth. I know that for myself, when I was mistreated by individuals in the past, those who matured and decided to take it upon themselves to apologize to me about what they had done stated that it was because they were intimidated and i that is such a bizarre statement to me personally i still don't see it i appreciate it because it's supposed to be a compliment in some strange way perhaps it's a racialized comment because i am a person of color i don't know what the fuck it was about but i did not fucking deck you I fucking was hitting you. I don't know what the motion of my actual hand was, but you're fine. I did not hurt you. I did not punch you. I the point stands. 
that they perhaps hated something that they didn't get to see in themselves and then wanted to take me down for those reasons. Think about it. I think that this first essay is a great introductory to what the book is. It's essentially 101 essays that will change the way you think. And although it has not necessarily changed the way I think as of this point in my reading, it has influenced and solidified certain perspectives that I've had for a while and given me the opportunity to reflect on my own philosophies. And I really appreciate that from a book that is, that is based in philosophy because it gives you the opportunity to think for yourself, leave space for you to breathe, to consider in your own mind, well, is this truth for me? Is this something I comprehend? How might this relate to myself? It provides the openness to think, but the specificity to relate, to compare, to contrast, and to learn. This was my overall analysis, commentary, takeaway from my experience reading the first essay and I'm looking forward to giving you guys the whole look at the following nine because I did that but um, this was a crazy week exams etc and I'm looking forward to making more videos like this if you like this video you can subscribe you can like it you can comment about basically everything um, except my voice unless you thought my voice sound cool then say nice things about my voice please thank you um and if anyone knows what happened to that teacher who threw that block at that student um let me know because i i just don't know how she wasn't fired honestly it's a true story it's crazy she got suspended for like a week like how do you let someone back on the premises after that awkward so that system is fucked anyway have a great day. Bye.